lot of stuff did happen over the weekend. Not as full of a men's basketball schedule as we'd like with several teams on COVID pause, including, unfortunately, USF Bulls. But we will have plenty from the women's slate and particularly what happened in Cincinnati. I'll be honest, when we, of course, were doing our game on Saturday afternoon, a lot of people were asking me, including the coaching staff of the Bulls, what was going on because right from the get-go, Cincinnati was in this game and what they were doing to UCF was something that the Knights aren't used to having done against them, which is making a lot of three-point shots, and that kept Cincinnati in the game. Full details where the standing shakeout after the weekend, along with the latest computer rankings coming your way, how the UCF loss might affect the conference when it comes to the NCAA tournament. Then again, it might not, but it certainly is the latest example of what I've been saying for a while now on this show and on Bulls Beat of how much tougher the conference is because, frankly, in my opinion, East Carolina was shaping up as the weakest team of the 11. And then Cincinnati starts off 0-4, and so maybe the Bearcats would take that spot, if you will, spot you don't want to take. But then they turn around and beat Houston and UCF in their last two games. So, wow, quite a few things to tell you about. We'll also give you the men's games recaps, a big exciting win for UCF over Tulane. The other one, not so close. We'll also tell you what went on in tennis over the weekend. What we won't do is give you the players of the week on this show because we are recording it in the morning before any of that news comes out. So we'll have that for you on the Wednesday version of Around the American. Reminder that we have this program for you in a longer format on Mondays and then on Wednesdays and Fridays. We put it at the end of the hour of Bulls Beat with two runnings of that program and then five to ten minutes of Around the American. But enough happens over the weekend. We'll give you a full recap. And yeah, let's start off with women's basketball. And I'll admit it, I was not a huge follower of the entire sport of women's basketball until I started my job at USF with this channel. This was in the fall of 2017, became the women's basketball play-by-play person in that year and started to pay more attention to what's going on. And when the Bulls got beat by UCF on Sunday two weekends ago, you would have rightly assumed that it was UCF's conference to have. And now, It's back open due to what happened. But I tell you, that loss by the Bulls, as hurtful as it seemed at the time, boy, it is happening all over the country. We were talking about, I gave the example recently of a top 10 at the time Maryland team losing by 20 at home to Michigan. A team like Kentucky, which has been ranked, well, won't be ranked starting today, but all year long, in fact, in the upper teens, get beat at home by Florida by 25 points and then lose again yesterday to Ole Miss. Oh, yeah, Ole Miss. The team that, remember when they beat the Bulls in West Palm, I said it wasn't a bad loss. Well, now the Rebels are 17-2, and 5-1 and one in the SEC, which, by the way, is led by the other SEC team that beat the Bulls, Tennessee at 7-0. and 0. Let me tell you, SEC, the most interesting of the power conferences. And this all kind of goes back to the American. And if you're worried about how many teams could get in from the league, I think both Florida teams are safe, and here's why. You look at the power conferences, yes, they're going to rack up as far as the at-large bids go. Basically, if you're not in a power conference, I'll I'll do this all once we get closer to the tournament in full details, but if you're not in a power conference, you want to be one of the best 10 non-power conference teams, and both USF and UCF are certainly in that category, and the reason for that is there's probably going to be six at-large spots available for non-power conference teams. Well, you got to assume certain number of those best 
10 non-power conference teams are going to win their conference tournaments. So if you're USF, if you're UCF, if you don't win the American Athletic Conference tournament, you're definitely one of the best six teams that don't. You know what I'm saying? So that's a positive. The Bulls, by the way, sit at 40 in the latest net rankings. UCF is 36th. And then four other teams in the conference are between 85 and 95 in order Tulsa, SMU, Houston, and Tulane. And of course, we'll get to the American because that's what this show is about. But let me just tell you, the SEC, why it's so interesting is because basically in the other power conferences, you kind of already know what their floor is for teams that are going to get in. And then there's one or two other spots that could be added to their hall, depending on how those other teams fill out the rest of the year. Well, in the SEC, I think Ole Miss becomes a fifth lock for that conference. They could get anywhere from just five to nine teams. That's how many teams are in the running. So I go back to Kentucky, a team that was seemingly secure, now isn't. Texas A&M, a team that's computer ranking looks okay at 44 until you realize they're one and six in conference. Missouri, a team that beat South Carolina, the only team to beat South Carolina, is in the mid-40s as well. And how about the Florida Gators, the team I mentioned just beat Kentucky, beat LSU yesterday, and their overall number is still in the mid-60s. So the SEC is wide open. The American, I'm telling you, the two Florida teams are in good shape. The rest of the year becomes about the other parts of the league. The most interesting thing to me is you see teams like Tulane, that started 0-3, they're now 3-3. You see teams like Tulsa that just look like they could beat anybody when they're hitting their shots. Even Temple from over the weekend. And even Houston, yes, the Cougars have lost five games in a row. I think any of those teams on the right day can beat either of the Florida teams. And if that happens at the conference tournament, well, then maybe you're looking at the league getting three teams. But all of that is kind of the big preamble setup to what happened on Sunday. The best example of a team at the bottom of the league on a good day beating a team at the top of the league. Cincinnati defeats UCF. Caitlin Wilson, that's where we'll start because she's their big three-point shooter. And frankly, she has a prodigious background of hitting three-point shots. Her first game in college, at a junior college, she hit nine. She hit nine in Cincinnati's exhibition game this year but when the Bulls had played her she had only hit more than two in a game just one time against a frankly very poor Xavier team but against the Bulls she sank four the Bulls rolled in Cincinnati to start off the conference slate but then after that four for nine against Temple five for 12 against Wichita slipped up against East Carolina but then we told you Cincinnati beat Houston she made four of 11 and against the Knights who do not give up many three-point shots She was 5 for 11 on threes, and it was Cincinnati's three-point shooting that established them right away. Knights were allowing their opponents less than 30% from three-point range, 48.7 total points per game, which is among the best in the country. In fact, third in the country. And yet, it was 8 to nothing Cincinnati. Akira Levy makes a three-pointer right off the gate, and boy, was she a key in this game. Cincinnati of course, was not going to shut out the Knights. It was 11-2 to before UCF does what it does, ends the first quarter on a run, and it's 13-9. to Cincinnati would hold them off and lead at the break 27-22, to but the Knights would come back and have a one-point deficit going in to the fourth quarter. Fourth quarter, which was frankly amazing because neither team, get this, led by more than two points until... Braylon Milton, the freshman guard for Cincinnati, you guessed it, hit a three with two and a half minutes to go. 
it was 55-51, but Diamond Battles answers with the three on the other end. She did all she could. Basically, she played the entire game, 39 minutes, 9 seconds, went 5 of 8 on threes, and scored 21 points. So she cuts it to 1. And then Alicia Lewis, their actual three-point shooter, sinks one herself, and the Knights are feeling it. They're up 57 to 55. 107 to go. Foul on the Knights, but Jillian Hayes splits the free throws. Then a big-time sequence as 107 to go. Cincinnati's down one, so they're able to play full defense, basically. Tay Sanders gets the ball in the paint, thought she got fouled, sold the contact. Katie Abrahamson Henderson, the UCF head coach, and the bench ballistic that they didn't get a foul call, but frankly, Sanders was a little flopping there, and I think that's why she didn't get the call. So, Cincinnati was able to set up a play, and boy, what a shot this was. A seismic shock throughout the standings of the American Athletic Conference. Cats do have two timeouts, electing not to use one. Seven-second differential shot and game clock. Milton has it, Bearcats down by one. Milton skips it, Levy for three. Yes, and the foul! What a blunt shot by Levy! Wow, that was ice cold. Remember a few games back when they got rolled by East Carolina 71-48, to it looked like Levy had suffered a possible season-ending injury. She has missed nearly two years with injuries in her past, but she was fine, came back against Houston, and again, they won that game last Wednesday 71-56, but who could have seen it carrying over to this game? And Levy obviously had a big role in it with that shot. Now, the game wasn't over yet. Cincinnati had committed just one foul. By the way, she would miss the free throw, so it stayed a two-point game. UCF advanced the ball. Bearcats played it perfectly when you have fouls to give. They basically didn't foul too early. They would foul right when it looked like a UCF player was trying to make a move to the basket. It was a two-point game, so they weren't trying to shoot threes at that time. So after the third foul of the quarter, there were only 5.2 seconds left. Diamond Battles tried to throw the ball in, was hounded, tried to throw it basically over to the three-point shooter Lewis on the other side of the court, and it flew out of bounds. Still a couple of key free throws to be made. Cincinnati gets them, and the stunning 61-57 win. Caitlin Wilson ended up 5-for-11 on three, scored 17 points. Levy just 13 points, but also five assists. I mentioned Braylon Milton, who hit that key three late. She scored 12 points and had seven assists. So as a team, Cincinnati shot the ball well from three-point land. I'd say 10 for 19. Actually, from two-point range, they were just 11 for 30. But they did enough to get the win. And here's their head coach, Michelle clark Hurd. Our defense. Our defense intensity, uh, our ability to, like, change up our presses. And, you know, we played, uh, you know, zone and and they were really active in it. We got to get better at rebounding, but we're working really hard, and we took care of the ball. We only turned it over 13 times, and, you know, for us, that's a good thing. And so the growth, that's what I mean, like, and just their belief. Uh, you know, just a proud coach because, you know, when you hit adversity and, you know, things continue to keep happening, you want to be in a situation where you can continue to see uh, all the hard work that you're putting in, and that's what we've been doing. And I'm going to take my hat off to our veterans. Uh, because, you know, we changed the lineup, and uh, we did that uh, because I knew that, you know, in this conference, there's a lot of veterans, a lot of people that are returning. And uh, just really proud of our team and the adjustment 
uh, and then we're just going to continue to keep growing. Obviously, that was taken off of a produced video with Cincinnati with some of the highlights in the background. She mentioned the veterans, Jaden Scott, who didn't even play against the Bulls. She went 16 minutes in this game. Her defense was outstanding there in some key stretches late in the game, and Wilson would definitely be counted as one of those veterans as well, and she led them in scoring. So you look at the standings, all of a sudden, SMU Mustangs. Now, they've only played three games, but technically they're in first. Their last two, which would have been against UCF last Wednesday for one of them, incidentally, have been postponed due to COVID. That's who the Bulls play on Wednesday night. Turns out to be a pretty important game, huh? It's USF and UCF at 4-1, and one. then Temple drops to 3-1, and one, but certainly right there. Tulane is the fifth team back at 500, but feeling really good because the Green Wave have won three in a row, including a game where they went to their bench. This sounds like something that Jose Fernandez has had to do on a couple of occasions as they were lackluster at the beginning against Wichita State, went to their bench, helped get back in the game, and then, well, kind of what happened the other day for the Bulls against Temple Second half starts, and the starters are back in, and in this case, Tulane held the lead throughout. 17-4 to run to start the second half, put them up 13, and they didn't look back. They would end up winning that game 67-52. to Tulsa's at 500 also was off this weekend. Then the team just below 500 is Memphis, which gave Houston its fifth loss in a row. Remember, about two and a half weeks ago, Houston was up late in the game at UCF and looking like, okay, this could be the team. They lost that game, and they've lost the next four. They're 9-10 overall. And for the fourth time in their five-game losing streak, had a lead in the fourth quarter, but fall to the Memphis Tigers 57-53. to And it's astonishing because they're this freewheeling three-point shooting team that just can't hit a three. They were two for two in the first quarter against Memphis, did not hit another. They scored four points in the fourth quarter and lost it. 57 to 53. There's just one game on Tuesday night, last place East Carolina at Wichita. And on the men's side, two big second half comebacks for teams still trying to slide up the rankings and get NCAA tournament consideration again. Memphis and UCF both still have net rankings in the 70s, but they'd have been worse had they lost. Memphis was down 48 33 on Sunday, but beats Tulsa, which is just having no luck this year. Golden Hurricane now 0 6 in the conference. Saturday, UCF was down 13 in the second half at home, down 4 with 209 to go, but clamped down against Tulane and got the win. Memphis wins 83-81, Knights 68-66 over the Green Wave, who now drop into a fifth-place tie actually with UCF. Houston, remember when I told you how at least the Bulls kept it close in the second half instead of losing by 40? Houston led East Carolina at halftime 44-14, and it was a 79-36 game. Kyler Edwards, 6-3, scored 25 ECU from three, just one for 19. That will not cut it. Mentioned the Memphis and UCF computer rankings in the 70s. The second and third best in the conference right now belong to SMU, 59 and Cincinnati, 64, but at least they have a chance to improve that. Obviously, plenty of time left. Cincinnati is at Temple on Tuesday night, and that is the only men's basketball game happening tonight or tomorrow, so we'll have a shorter show on Wednesday. We'll also get you more details on tennis. A lot of Power 5 opponents over the weekend. Mixed results. Tulsa's women, who are very good, defeated Kansas. Cincinnati actually took a couple of points from Louisville. Houston, though, got swept at Texas A&M. UCF women, who are very good, edge Penn, a solid program, 4-3. to And on the men's side, going back to Friday, Memphis goes to Northwestern and wins 4-2. to Tulsa knocks down Purdue 6-1. to Wichita sweeps both St. Louis and Purdue. And SMU takes Texas Tech to the distance, but loses 4-3. UCF's men 
playing two SEC top 10 teams to start the season and get swept both times, but no shame in losing to the national champion Gators. UCF got beat by them Sunday 7-0. That'll do it for Around the American on a Monday. Thanks for checking it out. I'm Derek Sharp.